On today's Tech Bytes podcast, sponsored by Nokia, we dive into data center networking and eVPN. Nokia's SR Linux operating system can help you build a data center fabric with eVPN. And in this episode, we're going to discuss how Nokia operationalizes that protocol. Our guest is Jorge Rabadan. He is Senior Product Line Manager at Nokia. Jorge, welcome to the podcast. So what are some of the key features Nokia sees as relevant to implementing eVPN in data center networks? I would say eVPN provides uh, intra and inter subnet connectivity besides uh, some other things. So that is valid for eVPN in the wide area network, but also the data center. But I would say the, in the data center, first off, or the feature of number zero is a good uh, multi-protocol BGP implementation. So eVPN is based on multi-protocol BGP. So so you're talking key- about using eVPN in the WAN as well as the data center? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. The first uh, specification for eVPN was meant to be for uh, the WAN as a replacement for VPLS. Now, that's not something that we hear discussed a lot. Now, I know that Nokia has been heavily involved in the eVPN standards. There's something that we'll talk about in a little bit. But that idea that Nokia is looking to unify the data center in the WAN is a, is a differentiator. It is something that's unique to Nokia, I think. That is correct, Greg. So uh, where we shine is actually on all the um, DC and WAN integration features. We are able to stitch any WAN technology to eVPN and VXLAN in the data center. That must mean that your gateway functionality is really advanced or in some way superior to most other implementations. I believe so, uh, based on our discussions with uh, customers and other vendors and uh, yeah, and operators in general. Yeah, mm. I, I would say so. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, folks may not be familiar with the SR Linux network OS, but you've taken some pains to make sure you've got a solid EVPN and BGP stack inside that OS. So absolutely. So uh, service router operating system, uh, you know, we've been developing uh, BGP for uh, many years and uh, we've been optimizing BGP for scale, for uh, stability and also for features, right? We took the BGP stack to SR Linux and uh, all the benefits uh, of all, in all those years of experience and, and stability and scale, uh, now we can benefit of it in the data center with SR Linux as well. And why do you think, what is it about eVPN we hear it about usually in conjunction with VXLAN that folks are looking to this for a data center fabric? So the beginning people started to use VXLAN uh, in overlay data centers uh, to provide a, you know, a layer two and layer three connectivity, but um, the, the first implementations were based on flood and learn. And uh, it came with a number of issues. So eVPN, um, you know, provided uh, at the beginning, uh, provided the the uh, discovery of the remote VTEPs and also the distribution of the, the Macs and the IPs in the control plane, right? To uh, avoid all the bad side effects of the flood and learn. So that was the, the beginning. Over the, uh, the years also, uh, eVPN added uh, many more functionality and, and features. So eVPN is also used because of the the mobility features, the security, uh, multi-homing, and also the DC and WAN integration. That is not something that we normally hear from other vendors. Now, obviously, eVPN builds on the BGP side in the sense that we use the BGP protocol to carry the control plane or the configuration state of the eVPN configurations. But... The, the features that Nokia is bringing in SRS are about this uh, idea of multi-homing, the idea that you want to say, we recognize that 
having multi-homing in the network, that there's multiple paths and that the edge connectivity can be different is actually differentiated. When you say all active multi-homing for L2, L3 connectivity, what does that mean? What it means is that we can use all the uh, the links available to send traffic. Uh, what it means is that a, a, you know, a server or a compute can be multi-home to many leaf switches. It's not mm-hmm. only two like in the traditional M- MLAC. Uh, you know, proprietary, uh, proprietary implementations uh, here. The um, you know the C side can be multi-home to as many leaves as, as you want, and uh, you can you can use all the paths in both directions, the upstream and downstream. So from the server uh, to the rest of the network, and from the rest of the network to the server. So that is all active multi-homing. And that. That's not something that everybody else does. Is that a proprietary feature or is it just something that's not, is that not part of the standards process? It's just a feature that, you know, edge nodes are connected to the network, servers, desktops, you know, hosts, firewalls, whatever. And this idea that all active multi-homing at the edge of the network is just a feature that doesn't need standards. No, it's actually fully uh, standard. So, um, you know, sometimes uh, there is this um, uh, perception that, uh, you know, EVPN does not interoperate uh, across different vendors. Mm. And then the, the right question is what options uh, do you implement in your EVPN, right? Because it's uh, pretty much everything is standardized. That is the, uh, the approach that we took in the IETF. Um, we as Nokia, along with, uh, you know, uh, mostly Cisco and Juniper, mm-hmm. we try to standardize every single EVPN feature. Now, it doesn't mean that all the vendors will support all the options and all the, uh, the standards, right? So mm-hmm. EVPN is not a single protocol. It's more like a framework, right? So uh, absolutely, it's a standard. So what it may happen is that a particular vendor not, does not support it yet, right? Right. You, okay. Yeah. If you find a couple of, of vendors supporting this, yeah, it should interoperate. So this idea of all active multi-homing is a standard, but not all the vendors might have implemented it, or even if they have, they might not have implemented on all the different hardware platforms or or the software platforms because it's a software feature That's by correct. and large. And quite often some vendors have multiple hardware platforms and this feature is available on this one, but not on that one or that one. And sometimes it, it gets very confusing in the thing. I wanted to move on to the Nokia fabric services system. Now this is the software, the SDN controller that you have that integrates the data center configuration and operations and simplifies it down a lot. Is that working with these features as well? Yeah. So I must say that EVPN was conceived uh, for automation from day one, right? Mm. So if you go through the uh, the baseline uh, EVPN specification, uh, you know, many of the parameters that you need to configure, they can auto-derive from some others that will be in the, uh, in the switch anyway, right? Mm-hmm. Things like the route distinguishers, route targets, uh, Ethernet segment identifiers, and all, all those uh, things that are specific to eVPN. But the fabric service system takes the automation to the next level. It really uses this abstract intent-based approach where we uh, allow the operator to deal only with the constructs that are relevant to the DC applications. So they don't need to, to know about uh, what a route distinguisher is or a route target. They just need to, to deal with subnets, uh, gateway IP addresses and attachment points. So this is one of the aspects that you know the fabric services system uh, brings to the table. And mm-hmm. the second aspect is also the uh, 
observability. So, you know, through the, uh, all the telemetry that FSS uh, provides, the fabric services system, you, you have, um, you know, all the, the visibility FSS uh, becomes this single pane of glass through which you can operate, see all the information yeah. of your entire data center. So, because the key here is that EVPN gets complicated fast at the CLI because there's tens, even hundreds of lines of configuration about the VXLAN IDs and the the BDs and the IPv4 parameters and the BGP configuration. It gets pretty complex pretty quickly, and it's it's not that you can't do it at the CLI, but I do think it's becoming impractical. Do you agree with that? Like the use of Yang models for configuration and using yeah. intent, it's a reality, not... Yeah, no, I fully agree with that statement. Again, EVPN can be uh, basic. You may want to just have, uh, you know, layer two, layer three connectivity, and that requires just a few commands. But as you start adding things like a uh, multi-homing and, uh, you know, multicast and optimizations and uh, layer three stuff, yeah, it can actually uh, add a more complexity, more uh, CLI commands. And here is where, you know, uh, the fabric services system uh, can actually help. And just so I'm clear, fabric services system is a separate piece of software running maybe outside the data center on a server or wh where does it sit? Yeah, I mean, it, it runs in the server. Yeah, I mean, it is not fully required for your uh, data center with SR Linux uh, uh, to function, but it's the, uh, again, the, the way to take the automation to the next level. Okay, so if I'm running the Nokia OS on my switches, I can then go to more of an intent-based model or a software-defined model by bringing in the fabric services system as well. Yeah, that's correct. And the fabric services. Now, we've talked a lot in packet pushes over the last five or six years about intent-based networking controllers. But looking back, it feels like intent-based networking or this idea of we take your intent and map it onto the network is really just a standard feature. It's not special. Is that kind of how you look at it or am I missing something? It's not a special feature in the sense that it uh, makes an abstraction of all the uh, the EVPN specific things and uh, creates something abstract that the operator can actually understand. Mm. But uh, I mean, there is there is nothing proprietary here, right? All the interfaces are open if, if that is what you are asking. Now, I also understand Nokia has been involved with interoperability testing, particularly around EVPN. Can you tell us more about you working with other vendors and uh, standards bodies to make sure that your implementation will will work in a, in a you know, I guess, brownfield environment or with other vendors OSs? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, uh, so something remarkable that has happened with uh, this technology with uh, EVPN that I haven't seen in, in other uh, technologies is that, again, from day one, uh, we, we created in the IETF uh, a very, uh, very nice uh, working group with multiple vendors and mostly, uh, yeah, Nokia, uh, uh, sorry, um, Juniper and Cisco. Uh, we created a team. And as I said, we wanted to standardize uh, every single EVPN feature. So one of the advantages or strengths of EVPN is uh, its extensibility. So um, EVPN started in uh, RFC 7432. And the, again, the initial idea was just to replace uh, VPLS for something more uh, optimum and uh, efficient. Mm -hmm. You know, the uh, the good thing that we did about EVPN is that we created this uh, concept of the route types. So in EVPN, yes, we, we send, uh, you know, routes in BGP, BGP routes. 
but those can have a, a type, right? And depending on the type, the semantics mm. are different and you use them for a different uh, service, right? Mm -hmm. So after that initial baseline uh, standard document, we, we worked on uh, many, many other extensions. And uh, up to date, uh, I think we, we have more than, I don't know, 30, 35 standard documents that are extensions of the original eVPN. So immediately after the first uh, RFC, we saw that, uh, hey, we, we need to use this in the data center because of all the advantages. So let's uh, make it work with VXLAN. And that, is, that was the RFC 8365. But not only that, uh, from that point on, we started with many other, uh, you know, um, extensions, extensions mm. multi-homing and many other features, including also <laughs> layer three, et cetera. So that feels like a lot of the complexity around eVPN and the things that make it incompatible between vendors is literally these additions and enhancements and extensions to eVPN that have come online and uh, you know, to use the famous quote, the future's here, it's just not evenly distributed. So just because something's been standardized doesn't necessarily mean that it's all implemented and in a stable state. So if you have interoperability problems, what do you do? How do you know it's interoperable? You're absolutely right. The, uh, the issue here is not that the standards are wrongly written or, you know, EVPN does not interoperate. The, uh, the issue really is that there are so many different extensions and options that uh, you cannot expect all the vendors to implement every single option and, and feature. And actually, one of the greatest uh, things that we, we've seen uh, here is the, um, uh, the testing the, that we've been doing uh, across different vendors at the EANTC, the mm -hmm. European... Uh, National Testing National, Center, yeah. yeah, Advanced National, something like that. Advanced yeah. uh, Network Testing Center, yeah. So here, basically, they um, they bring together a bunch of vendors and they they put them to test, uh, you know, features, networking features, and in particular, they've been doing this for eVPN and mm -hmm. also for segment routing. And uh, for eVPN, uh, I think the first time that I I went to the EANTC VPN testing that was back in two thousand and fifteen. And uh, at that time, uh, I can tell you, it was only uh, three vendors like uh, Nokia, Juniper, and Cisco testing uh, basic, very va uh, basic eVPN uh, connectivity. Mm -hmm. And many, many things didn't work. Uh, some things work. And that was the beginning, right? But over the years, we, we've seen many, many more vendors adding options and adding uh, eVPN. And I, I can tell you, um, even the, um, so the, over the last year and even this year, We've seen up to 10, 12 vendors uh, already testing together uh, eVPN, uh, you know, layer two, layer three, multi-homing features. And, and success. So there's, there's hope for the future that we might actually get interoperable eVPN as time goes by. It's already a reality for many, many features. Yeah. Uh, still, the, uh, of course, the, uh, the latest uh, features uh, in the IETF, the latest uh, traps, yeah, you will see only a couple of three vendors implementing them. Mm -hmm. But that's why the, uh, this event or the, um, you know, the industry testing or public testing of uh, features is important. It's, it's the way we, we find, uh, you know, that certain things in the standards are not, uh, you know, properly written. Some mm -hmm. things are actually feedback for the, uh, for the standards as well. And we can rewrite those standards based on the testing, go back to the next year and, and test again and make sure that now it works and we all have the same interpretation. 
So is the takeaway here that if I'm thinking about maybe bringing Nokia into an existing data center environment, I should be somewhat confident that I can still attach a Nokia device to an existing EVP and fabric? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there is public uh, white papers where you can see actually what things uh, uh, can work across uh, uh, multiple vendors, including Nokia, of course. So your one final point I wanted to talk about, the interesting part here is that I can actually run SR Linux in a sandbox and I can actually test the fabric services system against the sandbox and actually validate a lot of stuff. And that is un- that is not something we've normally seen. Is that something that customers want? We come across customers, and uh, I think that's a pretty uh, normal way of operating. Um, they really want to test things uh, to avoid human errors, and uh, they want to test uh, things at scale. So, you know, the um, the fabric services system sandbox allows you to recreate your your scenario to to have all your uh, your leaf switches interconnected. To mm. your entire fabric and to to put on the uh, the service the VPN workloads that you want to uh, to put in place and make sure that everything works before you actually in, uh, deploy the network. Because that feature to me sounds like if I wanted to know how the configuration will work and does the does the intent do what I wanted to do and I want to validate the CLI, that feels really comfortable to me that I can actually see it going in. And it means really there's only the hardware software interaction that remains to be an area of uncertainty, which is a good step forward. Absolutely. Yeah, you're correct. All right. Well, that does bring us to the end of this episode. Uh, thank you, Jorge, for joining us. And thanks to Nokia for being a sponsor. If you want to find out more, just head over to Nokia.com and search for SR Linux and the Fabric Services system. We'll also have links in the show notes where you can get more details. In the meantime, uh, if you uh, like this show, we've got many more fine free technical podcasts along with our community blog. It's all at PacketPushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at PacketPushers. Find us on LinkedIn and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.